Welcome to the bite-sized edition of the Editor Roundtable podcast. Here on the Roundtable, we're dedicated to helping you become a better writer, following the StoryGrid method developed by Sean Coyne. In these episodes, we bring you some shorter solo articles and interviews on topics that interest us as writers. Hi there, this is Valerie Francis, and today I'm bringing you a conversation that I had with Sean about short stories. In season six of the Roundtable podcast, we started to analyze short stories, and as you may have noticed, I struggled with many of them. I was able to see the fine line writing and the metaphors and the images and all that good stuff, but what I couldn't see was the story. The pieces felt more like a moment in time than a story. Of course, in Alice Munro's work, The Bear Came Over the Mountain, I saw it all. It had the artistry of the other works we looked at, but underneath it was a solid story structure. This sent me on a hunt to find out if there was another kind of writing that I hadn't heard of. In one episode, I mentioned vignettes, and while what we were studying certainly were not vignettes, they kind of had that flavor. So after months of checking reference books and scouring Google, I had to call in the big guns. I had to call Sean to find out what it was that I was missing. What was it about short stories that I wasn't getting? Why was it that I could see the beautiful language, but not the story? So join me and Sean for a quick bite of writing insight, starting right now. What am I missing here when it comes to short stories? Well, um... Uh, I'll give you my professional opinion and first, and then I'll give you my literary opinion. My professional opinion is that stories that you're describing where there nothing really happens are uh, are faux um, intellectual exercises that are written for a particular audience of fellow intellectual um, navel gazers. So those sort of came about, um, I'm, I'm trying, I mean, like, if you look at genre short stories, like even uh, pornography, there's, there's a real story structure there, like crime stories, like um, Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine and Alfred Hitchcock's things, or those old sort of uh, science fiction stories that were pulp fiction stories from the 1950s, they follow the archetypical mythic story foundational structure. What happened post World War II? Maybe pro- it's probably from probably the very first example of this kind of prose style would would go back to uh, Proust probably. Um, and so what Proust did was was you know find the minutia and the beauty of the language and the descriptions of very, very small moments in a person's life. So that that sort of micro detail of lyrical description um, 
became prose that sort of bridged this world between the highly dense poetry uh, and longer novelistic form. So people fell in love with Proust um, and then they equated that sort of verbiage and lyricism with literary quality and then story structure and story foundational archetypical mythic structure started to fade into the back work. And so what happened in the 20th century is the rise of the master of fine arts programs became very much concentrated on um, the short story as a uh, performance of one's um, poetic prose capabilities um, and less about um, cathartic moments of experience that condensed a novel into like Alice Monroe kind of work. So what you have here is a commercial and um, ivory tower look at writing more as a, a personal expression of uh, insightful literary quality as opposed to a knowledge embedment it, uh, device to embed a uh, a heuristic of life um, navigation. So it's my estimation that those sort of short stories that don't go anywhere can be um, moving to a degree because it's slice of life experience in, in a way, but there's no, um, and then what you do is then a lot of those stories became meta fiction in that it was uh, writing about the process of writing and the futility and relativism of human experience. So then they, that kind of writing became politicized in the postmodernist tradition. And um, I think that's where it sits. So it's sort of like, literary fiction that like um, David Foster Wallace phenomena, right? So um, what, what is that famous book he wrote? Uh, Infinite something, Infinite Jest, right? So just the title of that fucking book tells you what it is. It's just like, oh, everything's a joke. And this, isn't it ironic that we're living in this commercialized society when nothing matters anymore? Therefore, if all things are relative, therefore there's no, and any experience is valid, therefore there's no truth, that any, there's no universal truth because everything is relative. And so in order for a book like Infinite Jest to actually sell and attract an audience, it then has to work in terms of the quote-unquote genius prose of the artist. So Infinite Jest is sort of um, 
it's just a performance. It's, it's like, um, it, it really doesn't have anything deeper beyond the postmodern ideology and the movement of metafiction and the, oh my God, how did, how does he know how to string together those words that I, I'm not even really sure the meaning of some of those words, but it, it sounds really smart. Um, that, I mean, obviously, this is my professional opinion as opposed to analytic uh, story analysis of a particular kind of story. Now, so short stories, the reason why short stories are so um, rife with this phenomena is because the short story is the unit of analysis in MFA programs. So the Iowa Writers Workshop, the New York University Writers MFA program, you know, the thousands of MFA programs that have sprung up like, you know, weeds after uh, after post-World War, um, they all operate on the short story format. So when you go into workshop your work you go in with a short story or a chapter from a longer piece and people just kind of attack the the sentences and the they really put a high beam lens on how uh, artfully you're telling something but it's more about setting scene it's more about the descriptive um, fireworks of a highly fluent and attuned writer, as opposed to something that's going to make people cry. In fact, they're all so fucking smart and know so much that to actually express a real emotion in those classes is not encouraged and, in fact, will you know, get you a, a one-way ticket to the mental health services at the university. <laughs> so what you have is a group of sterile, intellectual, propositional, loving people who believe that there is a series of propositions uh, and um, sort of accredit accreditations from institutions that will solidify their role as a quote-unquote writer and the road down there leads to short story collections that are slice of life that are not necessarily coherent okay so i wasn't missing anything i, I don't think so i mean there's um some people just like my wife loves lyrical writing and we, we, uh, I don't really care about the lyric. Like the best case scenario for me is a lyricist who can write a fucking story. And then, then you have Alice Monroe, right? Right. So that's like, that's the sweet spot of a highly competent, brilliant craftsperson line to line who combines that with a real understanding of the, the process by which we create catharsis. 
So the majority of people in MFA programs and the ones who even get their short stories published, because then what you have is I'll, I'll tell you the way it works in major publishing, the way it used to work. I don't know how it's going to work in the future because this virus is going to destroy the entire industry. But um, the way it worked is if you're an editor at a publishing house, say you're at Doubleday or Knopf or one of those highfalutin ones, uh, every three months what you get is a submission by a, an agent who represents literary fiction writers. And what they would do is you know, give you a selection of short stories that the that their client wrote at the Iowa writers workshop. And then the, then a pitch letter for the novel that they're going to write. So basically what they, what the editor would do would sign up a two book deal. Yeah, we'll do your short story collection and then we'll publish your first novel. So it was like almost like this audition process by which literary fiction writers could, could get a grasp, get a hold on, major commercial New York publishing. And so there were some like Stanford's program, Iowa, um, there are future, you know, University of Chicago, these like sort of really smart places, basically literary agents in New York would go there in, in May and get drunk with all the students and try and sign them because they knew they could submit their short story collections and get a first novel deal in the range of between 60 to $175,000. And you can make a living that way. <laughs> so that's the way it used to work. And every now and then you would have uh, these short story collections that would do extraordinarily well. And then the novel would come out and then the person would have a career. So this used to be the process in the nineties and the two thousands and now short stories are so not commercially viable that it's very hard to even get a short story. It's like poetry. So, um, so the bottom line is I don't think you're missing anything. So it's difficult to find really good story structure, short stories. I could point you at a few, like a small good thing by Raymond Carver, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, what's his name? John Cheever. Right. So Cheever has some really great humdingers. Um, uh, Farewell, My Brother is one of my favorites. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to find those. And Alice Monroe is, you know, she's the queen. She's She's like known as nobody can touch her. Um, but if you're, and then there was like some kind of fun ones, the girl's guide to hunting and fishing, uh, which was a big bestseller in the nineties. Um, forget the woman who wrote it. Um, but it's not easy to find short stories that are per, you know, really well crafted story structure you, you usually get a lot of uh, flowery language where somebody realizes at the end of the story that things suck, you know, or isn't that ironic? That's all I have to say about that. 
So my key takeaway from this discussion with Sean is that as artists, we've got to decide what kind of short story we want to write. Are we focused on lyrical writing and slice of life type of stories? The plot driven but weaker line by line type of stories? Or do we want to combine the two and write a story that is both beautiful artistically and structurally solid? Now, this is art, so there is no one way, one right way to write a short story. It's a matter of artistic preference. Alice Munro, who won the Nobel Prize for Literature in 2013 for her short stories, is in this third group that I talked about. She combines a mastery of storytelling with a mastery of language. And that's the group I'm striving to be in. Sean and I had to end our call quickly, you may have noticed there, because we both had to jump on another call for StoryGrid, the StoryGrid Guild sprints that we host. So in addition to the stories that he mentioned during our call, he sent me a couple of other options uh, after we finished our work. So I've got all of those listed in the show notes for the podcast. So you can check those out if short stories are something that you want to study. Okay, so that wraps it up for this week. Before I go, I want to remind you that Leslie Watts and I have a new project underway. We're calling it the Unpodcast, or Up, because it's available only to subscribers of our mailing lists. On Up, we're taking all this storytelling theory and putting it into practice. So if that's something that's of interest to you, you can sign up at valeriefrancis.ca slash inner circle or writership.com. To support the show, leave us a rating and review and tell your writer friends about us. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.